जाए श्री गुरु गोरंग की जाए राजी गोपाल की जाए गोर भक्तवृंद की जाए मारुवान की जाए हरी टुनाइट एवरीवन यू हियर फॉर फ्यू मोर डेज Is he like that? Why is he who he is? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Not a good question. <laughs> well, it's, it's a little complicated the way it's explained in Chaitanya Charitamrita. I have elaborated on it briefly there. Um, um, but you, you hear a lot of shortcut explanations of that. I, I went into it a little, a little detail, but technically. And the shortcut answers are he's the Sadashiva, which means... The form of Mahavishnu, of as Shiva, as, as in Shiva Lok. So you have Devi Dham, material world, Mahesh Dham, hmm, Hari Dham, and Goloka, if you will. So Devi Dham means material world. Mahesh Dham is is you can have read a little description of that in Sanatana Prabhu's Brihad Bhagavatamrita. Hmm? He's got a section on the, on that. So there, Shiva is in meditation on on Sankarshan, who who <laughs> it's very complicated, but manifests as the three Vishnus hmm? yeah, in this world, and um, he's got devotees there. He's riding on his bull. Uh, I think Nard comes in, and Shiva's on his bull. Um, Nandi and and speaks to him about uh, deprecates himself and glorifies Prahlad, and so it's an interesting section. And maybe in pre, maybe in the second canto also, um, yeah, I believe so. Uh, uh, Kumar goes there, and so um, Vishnu, Shiva, these are you know. Shiva is peculiar. Um, he's described as yogurt, which is not different from milk, but different from milk. So if you let it sit out, it turns into yogurt in this climate. So he's a transformation 
of Vishnu for a particular purpose, and he's multifaceted. There's the guna avatar aspect overseeing the tamaguna. There's the creative aspect, and this is where or where uh, Advaita is involved there. Um, but the basic idea is um, that well, if you have if you have Sadashiva, you have a form of Mahavishnu who is in a devotional attitude to begin with. Hmm? Uh, it said Vaishnavana Mitashambhu at the end of the Bhagavatam. Shiva is a great Vaishnava. Hmm? So that is the form of Sadashiva. So you have a way to identify with Sadashiva. So he's, he's uh, uh, Mahavishnu in a, in a form which is imbued with devotional sentiment to begin with. Hmm? And then taking advantage of the Gorlila. Taking advantage of the Gorlila, he is also, of course, the through the Mahavishnu, all the avatars come. So avatar, Mahavishnu is the first manifestation of divinity in the material world to experience the compassionate Leela of, of this world and so forth. And then all the avatars, Leela avatars, come through him, right? So the Yuga avatars also. So he's this, he, he being, as far as the conglomerate, if you will, of Mahavishnu, the source of the avatars, so then this devotional side of Mahavishnu, who is the source of the avatars, appears and is the source of the avatar of Chaitanya Mahabhu in terms of the Yuga Dharma, which is the external aspect of Chaitanya Mahabhu's Leela. Hmm. Um, which, if you look carefully at it, it's not that external because he's woven the Yuga Dharma together with Prem and he's garlanding the world with that. Um, so that's why we say the Yuga Dharma aspect, if you will, is very much tied to the internal aspect, if you understand it properly. It's not just establishing the Yuga Dharma. But anyway, uh, all these kind of um, compassionate and devotional devotional um, um, passionate devotee-like uh, aspects we find that in in the Mahavishnu again the simple idea is well there's a Yuga avatar aspect due for Kali Yuga Mahavishnu comes and calls for Krishna to take the place of the Yuga avatar and and a special form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appears. It coincides with Mahaprabhu's Krishna's internal reasons for descending. And the timing is right, and the combination. And and uh, you know, in one sense, this is like Advaita is like the is the form of Mahavishnu. Ma here refers to Shiva. Vishnu refers to Vishnu. So uh, it's described as a combination of both. Shiva is intimately involved in the in the in the creation. The glancing of Vishnu is sometimes called Shambhu, another name for Shiva. Um, so, but this all this somehow together in Advaita, in a form in which Ma Vishnu gets to experience um, something far beyond which that which typically he's involved in uh, caring for and compassionately working towards the liberation of the jivas to go to Vaikuntha. They don't go to Vaikuntha under this influence. They go to Goloka hmm, to uh, 
um, intimate love of God, which is a secret, you know, kind of idea. So it's it's open this once in the day of Brahma, this opportunity kind of. Um, so those are some thoughts on it. Yes. Um, he is the Lord of Vaikuntha, uh, in in a sense in which we're we're talking about it. But but he he he's manifesting in Maheshdam for his own purposes there, uh, and he's got certain devotees, and and um, they have mixed form of devotion and um, it's quite a nice place the Maheshdam hmm. and um, Shiva's you know he's Asatosh so he's he's extremely um, liberal for an ascetic you'd think he'd be a little hard to approach instead, but he's quite uh, liberal and easy very easy to please ordinarily what to speak if you um, approach him with uh, as, as a devotee of Krishna? You see how he responded to uh, Chitraketu when Parvati cursed Chitraketu. How he glorified him. Um, so you know, if, if, if what you're asking is, is does the form of Mahavishnu in Mahesh Dham ever go to get to go to Vaikuntha? So it's, it doesn't quite make sense entirely. It's like saying. Does 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 Narayan and Vaikuntha ever get to go to Goloka? Mm-hmm. You understand? He's there. He's as Krishna, so to speak. Uh, Lakshmi went there <laughs> and tried to enter in. That's the whole story, of course. Uh, so you know they are different. Uh, he's multifaceted, like a like a jewel, and different types of devotees, and the paths of devotion are mentioned in the scriptures. And there are saints who pursue them and share of them, give, create some scars for them, and so there are corresponding locas or planes, places, realms for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're all unlimited, uh, even the Devi Dom, infinite number of persons, infinite number of persons in, uh, in all such places. Um, you have to look at it like again like a valuable jewel you can look at it from different sides and and so forth hmm. so the god of it is like that he, he, these these ideas are just kind of um principle there's narayan he has avatars here's a few of them but they're asankhya shiva i mean we are of course as i say there are different manifestations of shiva the, the rudras the 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 um, Gunavatar, there's the Shiva. I would say, you know, Sadashiva also has a place in Goloka. Hmm. Um, two places, Kavikarnapur places him in Sakirasa there, a manifestation of himself there, uh, like wishing to participate in that, and it happens. And, of course, he's also placed... Um, at the gate of the Rasalila. His name is Gopi, Gopishwar. Hmm. So that's a pretty um, flattering way to speak about Shiva. If he would hear you speak about 
him in that way, he would be much more attractive than the way the Shaivites talk about him. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Much more charming form of of Shiva. And he's located Ch- Chitrapal, he's called Chitrapal, the protector Pal of the Chitra of the Dham. So I think there are four principal places in Goloka in, in Vrindavan where there are lingas uh, of, of Shiva and worship is always going on. Hmm. So he, he is he has his these are you know, this is God, so they can you can appear in different ways in different places and and uh, even a facet of himself can be multifaceted. So Shiva is a facet, if you will, of, of Narayan, and he's multifaceted. And Brahma is not quite as as as, as uh, multifaceted, but he is as well. There's three different kinds of Brahmas. Hmm? Yeah. You know, you have the Hiranyagarbha, Hiranmaya. What is it? What is the other one? Um, Bhairaja Brahma and the four-headed Brahma and and sometimes Vishnu is Brahma or Brahma empowered by Vishnu like the like a, a stone reflecting the, the light shedding getting off light so for all the devas those positions of the devas. So this is the dive in eternity. They're all like aspects of the Godhead, partial aspects of the Godhead. One can come acquainted with, experience. So, um, yeah, best to understand them unto themselves rather than try to make them into something else that we think might be better. Like, um, doesn't Jeeva ever get to go to Baikuntha? No. It's, it's, it's a liberated place, Maheshtam. You've got, there's, there it is on the lower end. Then you've got, what you got on the upper end of Baikuntha, you've got Ayodhya. It's this peculiar, special place within Baikuntha where the human-like leelas of Ram, Sita Ram, and Hanuman, Lakshman. I don't think he ever married, right? Lakshman. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, and then Goloka, of course, the Mahabhaikuntha that's described in the Purana. What else? Another question? Yeah. How do you balance out the fact that, on one hand, the fastest and safest and best way to make progress is to. Is to um, make the Vaishnavas happy or just to please the Vaishnavas. And on the other hand, we're expected and required to cultivate amana and not want any recognition. Is there anything, everything supposed to be done anonymously or is the desire for recognition that's the problem? Well, I don't see the... If the idea is to please the Vaishnavas, it's obviously not to bring attention to oneself, it's to bring attention to other other Vaishnavas and please them. Mm-hmm. So I don't see how the, the two really don't, really don't go together. You want to make progress um, in, um, in, a, in, a, in a path of, of love and service. So you want to bring attention to others and please them and um, 
And you will, if you do that, you'll feel acknowledged, recognized, you'll feel, you'll, you'll call your own progress in that way. And other people will say, he's such a nice devotee. And then you'll hear them praising you and you'll say, no, 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 no. it's not what I, I'm looking for that, I'm trying to. So it's the desire, Amana implies a desire for recognition. Oh, you, Amana and Amanadena? Yeah. Oh, I see. That's a, yeah. Yeah. There's no desire to be uh, the center, or to be, which is central to material existence, basically. So it's a sh- it's a whole very at the ground level a shifting of identification, and um, kind of the mindset is whether whether it be consciously or unconsciously to be in the center get attention, so to shift that, so to give respect to others, expect no honor for oneself. And expecting honor for oneself is, is kind of a repulsive idea, you know, it's, it's it, whereas how can there be humility in that? Hmm? Um, and you know, you have these people, you, you may have seen, I've even seen devotees like that, they're really expecting honor, recognition. They, it stands out as if somebody had just swallowed a bulb of garlic and, you know, oozing out of their pores and huh, everybody in the room can smell it except them, something like that. It's very unbecoming. <laughs> Pratishta. Raghunathas, he said that the Pratishta, he looked at it like the stool of pigs who eat stool. (laughs) Not very desirable. Uh, So you see, it's very antithesis, if you will, of the devotion where all honor goes to to Krishna, right? To to Narayan, to God. And the beauty of that, the secret of it, this is the secret of life, that, 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 that you'll be nourished by that. We think we'll be nourished by putting ourselves in the center, securing our, our um, own worship of ourselves or whatnot, um, but it's, that's a, f- a failed venture, <laughs> just the opposite. And that's mysterious because it wouldn't appear like that on the surface. On the surface it appears like a very Darwinian, it's a struggle for existence, and who's ever more fit will will survive and and uh, rule over the others, and so on and so forth. So it's a kind of a survival of the uh, through through kindness. And it was one to transcend the material condition altogether, which is a is a, a position of defeat, you know, from the start. There's no there's no winning there. Game. Does it help? So, per se, there's nothing wrong in thinking I'm going to do this thing because then my guru or this Vaishnava will be pleased with me and my life will be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Sure, you pray to Krishna that I will be able to serve in such a way that, that my guru will be pleased with me. Please give me the power to do that. And then, by his grace, to join you in, in service in Vrindavan. Yeah. What else?
with regard to this uh, Atiti Narayana Narayan in disguise coming as a guest sometimes. There are people who come to temple and they kind of seem to not respect what it is, demand like uh, being served and I don't know uh, how to explain, like those people that were, that were trying to force themselves uh, here and uh -huh. sometimes they come as devotees so uh, to recognize like when it's just test for us to treat Narayana as Narayana in disguise or when it's like not <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, you have to teach them <clears throat> what a temple is, how we do things here, why we do things patiently, I think. Mm. Um, but um, not everybody that tries to go to Baikunta gets in, you know. Um, so, <laughs> you have to be let in. Uh, so I, I don't. It's kind of a. I think it's, I think it's kind of a rare uh, situation, you know, where you would be confused about that. Most people come are pretty respectful and so forth. And if they come and they're not, then I think you have to instruct them properly. Where you don't have to mistreat them, but we can respect. It's also a form of respect to te teach people what what uh, where they are and how they should behave, but they might take advantage of it. So, sometimes, I've given an example before that there are some stories of people getting into Vaikuntha who, who would seem like they don't belong there, like Durvasa got into Vaikuntha when he was chased by the chakra of, of Narayan. Jiva Goswami gives the example that sometimes in a palace the king brings in a tiger on a leash and cage to entertain the, the residents, so he's never really in the in the in the in the in you know free to roam around and so forth. Sometimes some of these crazy people, yogis and whatnot, <laughs> they get entrance into Vaikuntha and the inhabitants kind of go, "Well, that's weird. Look at that guy." And then he's sent sent back out. Special occasions. <laughs> Yes. <clears throat> How are we to understand uh, one's preference, the devotee's preference, in uh, certain angas of bhakti or another? Well, there may be different reasons for different preferences. Like I was saying the other day, you may have preference according to your material propensity for a certain anga or limb of bhakti. And so you take advantage of that and and, and, and that's an instance in which your um, relative uh, and the absolute line up. Mm -hmm. So there may be running along similar lines, the relative and the absolute consideration, and that's well and good, but if the absolute should go in this direction and the relative in that direction, that's where you've got to leave the relative and go with the absolute, so... But as long as they flow together, then no problem. So that's one way in which some will gravitate towards a particular anga of bhakti, according to their material propensity and so forth. Of course, that, within the context of 
wherein that anga of bhakti is desired, hmm? um, um, I guess you could do it anywhere, but at any rate, that's one way in which you could um, um, choose a particular anga. Or, but there, there, you're not going to just choose one, because everyone has a guru, gets initiated. These are all angas of bhakti. Too. There's the preliminary angas. They're the doorway. There are ten preliminary positives and ten preliminary negatives, like asatsanga, giving up bad association. It's one of the ten negatives, if you will, and the ten positives, beginning with taking shelter of the guru, taking initiation, following, being instructed. These are the these are the the, the most important. Rupa Goswami says, of those preliminary twenty positives and negatives, get in the door, and then he gives uh, what um, um, another uh, 44 after that. Angus hmm. um, for engaging the eyes and ears and the whole body, individual aspects of the body, mental, uh, subtle body, and so on and so forth. So, uh, we're always going to embrace a number of them kind of uh, in a situation like this. But then um, amongst the principal angas, hearing, chanting, remembering, archan, and so forth, then one may have a liking for one over the other and take it and be absorbed in that. Um, It could come from... Some, some spiritual taste as well, or it could come from a material propensity. Uh, I don't think it has that much uh, that of that much consequence. What's of consequence is to become absorbed. That's the essence of the sadhana, to become absorbed. So um, then you look at the angas in relation to that and try to work that out. So that happens. Oftentimes, unfortunately, you get this kind of rote kind of Got to do it like this. It doesn't it absorb some people, but not other people. So that that's not good. Hmm. Some flexibility. Of course, we live in an ashram, so there are things to do. If you want to just you know do it as you like, then you then you can do that. But then you got to figure out how you're going to economize that, yeah, fund that, and and if we live in a cave, okay, who's going to cook? Yeah. So there, so. You, 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 there's an advantage of, of association with others. One of the advantages is that certain things that you'd have to be doing yourself, you don't realize this, certain things that you'd have to be, do, have to be doing yourself are being done by somebody else. And you're taking advantage of that. So, then there's, there appears to be certain constraints, but you have to balance that with, wait a minute, somebody's cooking cooking my lunch or somebody's making sure the, 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 the mortgage is paid or, or I don't have to think about that. Hmm? You think I just want, you know, this is confining this situation. I want to be able to do it myself the way I would do it individually. Then it's fine. You can do like that too. But then you got to cook and <laughs> got to pay the mortgage. And you got to do all those things. Hmm? Somehow or other or find some situation where that's... Uh, that's taken care of. So, 
think that the ashram situation is a give-and-take situation like most any situation. And there's a lot to take advantage of there, association. And, and uh, there's time to be alone, there's time to socialize, both things are there. Mm. Now, that said, of course, uh, Harinam is the main anga for Kali Yuga, so that's very powerful for the bringing about the desired result, so therefore we prescribe that for everyone chanting. Right? To help? What else? Yes? Is it a reaction to Aparad Krishna's will, or is it some kind of in, kind of, you know, independent machinery? It's like you... Depends who you offend. Well, that, that's what I, why I'm wondering, you know, because we hear that if you offend a superlative devotee, the, 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 the reaction is stronger than if you offend a neophyte devotee, the reaction is lesser. Now, is that because of Krishna's partiality? Yeah. In other words, the devotee doesn't take offense necessarily, but Krishna becomes um, uh, upset with those who offend his devotees. And if the devotees are more dear to him, closer to him, then it's going to affect him more, something like that. Now there are offenses to the name, there are offenses to the deity and, and, and the Seva Puja, there are offenses to Vaishnavas, we offend the Guru, um, you can offend uh, Bhakti. It's not like a mechanism like bad karma, is kind of a mechanism, operat is Krishna's will. Well, um, material nature, you know, responds, right, to our input or our our exploitation, if you will, karma. And so that's what you're talking about, like a mechanism, something like that. So I, th- I think that really the will of Krishna is, is really kind of um, fulfilled by his Sarup Shakti. So she follows him like a shadow, right? Every will happens. That's the internal shakti which makes... So I think you could look at her, it's Rup Shakti in that way, Bhakti Devi, like you look at uh, Maya Devi, something like that, with regard to a mechanism that, through which um, material exploitation bears a karmic result and and devotional Im- input in bhakti bears the result of more bhakti and if you offend bhakti or the the, the deity of bhakti uh, uh, manifestations of bhakti in the form of devotees and so forth then it's called aparad so uh, it means against radha against worship Radha is a name for Aradhana, means to worship. Hmm? The name Radha derives from that word. Therefore, in Bhagavatam, it says, Aniradito Nunam. This one gopi worshipped him better, more. Hmm? And looking carefully, so we take the name from out of that, Aniradito means Radha. 
Gopinim Radha. So, uh, Aparada means against Radha, it's against worship, so it's against Bhakti, offense to Bhakti, so Bhakti is put off by that. You've offended her Lord, so um, she's kind of who lets you in or doesn't let you in. Bhakti's generous, comes to us, but may, may, may hold herself back also from further dispensation or grace. Wherever Bhakti goes, Krishna has to go. He can't, he's controlled by bhakti. So really the offense is, in a broader sense, against bhakti. It's aparad, it's against worship. So it's against, and Radha is the bhakti devi, the goddess of, of bhakti, the goddess of, of worship. So, you know, displease uh, bhakti. that help? Yeah. What else? What's the time? Yes. Um, I think if you could talk about um, trying to spiritualize the intellect, it seems like um, the intellect has the power to be particularly intoxicating to the mind, particularly to create pride, the powerful vehicle and then beyond the mind. And so how to go about balancing the process of engaging the intellect but not becoming intoxicated by it. Well, in the Gita, at the end of the Gita, Krishna says that those who study this um, conversation between me and Arjun in, in great detail, studying every word, the implication is, and it's very, there are various meanings and so on and so forth, worships me with um, his or her intellect. Hmm? So it takes some intellect to study the scriptural argument, whether it be the Bhagavatam or the Gita or whatever. Hmm? And that in the context of you know, using our intellect in that way to understand the scriptural argument, the theory, and and so forth, um, you get exposed to a, a prominent teaching in the text, which uh, is the one that puts your intellect in its place. If you st- if you study it carefully, there's, it, it's unmistakable. Hmm? At the bar with him is is, is um, um, giving like a good bashing, if you will, to the intellect in terms of the intellect's um, deceiving influence upon the jiva that by its exercise one knows or by its exercise um, one can, can arrest the Godhead. Hmm? Or even even oneself, hmm? it's uh, it doesn't have the power to even because it's material to shed light unto itself to shed light on the on the self. We'll just speak of 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 God, 
and at the same time that it is not a suitable vehicle unto itself and bhakti is the vehicle bhakti at the same time employs full measure of our intellect if we allow her to with a very uh, extended uh, scriptural argument right that's uh, that is uh, not so easy to to grasp so it's a challenge for the intellect so i think it's 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 very nice because it it's it the studying of the scripture is a is a real real mouthful for the intellect it's 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 uh, it's like mm, your eyes are bigger than your stomach uh, used to say when they say when we were kids, you know, his eyes are bigger than his stomach. So he thought he could eat all of that, and he still left something on your plate, you know. So, whoa, yeah, um, there's there's a lot there. If it's properly approached, uh, as it it describes, it should be. There's quite a bit there, and um, and it uh, and again, part of it is directly a. Um, Putting of the intellect in its, in its place. Now there is often, unfortunately, that intellectual sleight of hand where people study the scriptures superficially by way of rote memorization, speed reading. You know, and I got it, I got it. Okay, what's next? What's next? I got it. You know, feed when they're just see, avaricious intellect wants to be fed, titillated, and satisfied, and and so forth. Mm. And uh, they miss the part where the, the text is, you know, addressing that very, very issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, because studying properly with the intellect, as I say, we have to use our head to soften our heart. That's the teaching. So if you study the book carefully, you, you realize what it's saying here. It means I have to do this, and and this is now I have to engage in heart exercise. Mm-hmm. You can't skip out on the hard exercises. Yeah, and then you say it to a lot to somebody else. You, know. <laughs> you have to do that yourself, right? So it's a it's an intellectual argument that argues for a transrational approach to knowing. Hmm? So there's this ground, if you will, this soil uh, of of um, of an, of an intellectual argument, philosophical argument that, that, that seeks to represent in the form of philosophy, in the form of reason and intellect, that which transcends it altogether. And, and, and so it's a well-reasoned argument for, among other things, the limitations of, of reason. So if you... If you read, if you study well under good guidance and so forth, then then you're not going to be deceived by your um, by your intellect, which is very unbecoming. I've, I've seen it before. It's a very um, uh, vapid kind of you know uh, intellect just devouring something. You think they think they know it? You understand it? Just person just dragged around by their intellect so to speak it's it's unbecoming because usually they have good intellects 
such people, but they're being abused by them. And Bhagavatam is, is, is rightfully so in a, in a position to abuse the intellect, so to speak, rather than let it, let it abuse the soul. Maybe that's not the best term to use it, but it has to give it a bashing sometimes. You know, you have to chastise it, put it in its place, so to speak. But it is subtle. Obviously, uh, materially, we go from sense objects to senses to to mind to intellect. It gets subtler and subtler, and so our level of material identification. Let's say it's bodily. We're identified with our body and. And uh, someone says, hey, you know, you, you should go on a diet. You might just say, eh, get lost, you know. Um, but if someone says, you're really dumb, then they really get upset. Because the, the, uh, if you, if, or if you say to somebody, you know, they're, that they're sick physically, it's one thing you can talk about it. You start saying that they're sick mentally, it's like, hey, wait a minute, you know, I don't think I want to go there. I'm, there's something wrong with me. So you can see the identification as it materializes, it becomes more subtle, hmm, becomes more difficult to detect also. Mind is more soul-like than body is like. Intellect is more soul-like, if you will, than mind even. Hmm. So when the identification is with more subtle aspects of matter, then it's more difficult to to detect to detect hmm, stronger. Uh, so it is in, it is tricky. Uh, so it's a, it's a good question that you ask. And, uh, and you don't want to your spiritual practice to become a, an intellectual sleight of hand. Right? That's why you have to use your head Soften your heart. You have to read. You have to hear, so you can get something that you can apply into your uh, into your practice to change yourself. It's not just you stay the way you are and you get a head full of information, right? And that that wears off. You think I read that book. I read that book. I, read that book. I, know. I know that. What else? What else? When you take it and you don't. It doesn't go in one ear as they say and out the other, but if it goes down into the heart, then it, that brings about a change. And that change brings about what one of the things that that change does brings about is the capacity to understand the scriptural teaching on deeper and deeper levels so that you never get, you never reach the point where, yeah, I got that. I'm, I, I know that. T- t- I'm tired of that teaching. What's the next teaching? <laughs> so. Because then you can, uh, like I used to say, uh, somebody asked me, how could Sri Dharmar speak about the highest topics uh, to people and, and who aren't qualified and they, might be, and they wouldn't get confused? I said, well, he talked about the lowest topics in the highest way. Hmm? So how to talk about... Most people need base, basic arguments and, and teachings about spiritual life, but there are simplistic and complex and more realized ways of, of talking about them. Hmm? And, um, and uh, that can, can come if we properly apply ourselves in our intellect. Hmm? 
so we can find the texts are always fresh and new and right, which is the theory, and it, it, it's not just the theory. People experience it when they approach it in the right way, but the intellect can get in the way. It's 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 a tool to be used, but uh, you know you could be used by the tool. It could. Uh, Get the upper hand, so to speak. That's why Nityam Bhagavad Seva, it's, 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 it's easier to delude oneself, uh, if you will, by the intellect, by studying, reading oneself, than it is to hear from a sadhu. And being good, both should be done, but I mean, it's harder to serve the sadhu and have that happen because he can or she can see it and say, hey, Stop that. This is what you're doing. You're just collecting information. Right? Yes? Yeah, follow up with that question. If someone's service is to go through many books and come up with some information for his guru, my guru, that can lead to See, I know so much, I know so much. You know, information gathering, uh, the intellect can become kind of intoxicated or kind of convinced that, see, I know the scriptures very nicely. So, you know, that's a danger in that. So, how do we cautious? Well, it's good to know the scriptures nicely. You may know the scriptures nicely. That's good. But you may also know that it's only as good as you apply yourself. So, this is what we're talking about. Um, I think that uh, just to ask the question, you're aware that that uh, that can happen to people, but that you don't want it to happen to you, and you understand that it's, it's an issue. So, you have to keep that, you know, in the forefront of your of your mind. Hmm? And again, understanding the theories is only as good as we apply the theory. So we have to balance the fact that we may know something and have proclivity for that. We may be creative, inventive, and clever, even, or intelligent, and, um, um, and uh, for example, you know some Sanskrit, so that helps you to access cer- certain texts and so forth. But you have to balance that with your taste for chanting, hmm? For serving your, um, you know, Gurudev says, okay, find this book, look up that verse, translate this section, bring this uh, verse over here, look at this book here, uh, clean the bathroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so there was um, a story, it reminds me of years ago we had these traveling buses with deities in North America and there was this one sannyasi who was the leader of this one bus it wasn't the one I was on I had my own bus but he um, there was a fellow who did a lot of translations His, he learned Sanskrit did a lot, a lot a lot of translations he's passed on now they're not so good philosophical ones but he did all these translations and they published all these books in a really inexpensive way so that was his thing anyway he was on this bus as a brahmachari, as a monk, 
And um, so the sannyasi was given a class, and he would say, and uh, the Gita, uh, is in uh, 4.11 it says, uh, and then that person would supply the verse. So then he did it again, he could supply the verse. So did it again, he supplied the verse. So the, the sannyasi who was giving the class then started to pr- provide instances, even when he didn't need to know the verse, and this person would supply it. And so the, so he's, he's purposely doing it. The, the devotee didn't know that. So he's purposely doing this and, and making him look really smart and, and citing all the verses. And they say, so-and-so, what's that verse? So-and-so, do you know that verse? So-and-so, can you give me that verse? So- so-and-so, can you give me that verse? And everybody's thinking, wow, he's giving me, he's, he's such a good devotee. He's, he, can you give me this verse? Yes. Can you give me this verse? Yes. Can you give me this verse? Yes. He says, so that's, the, so, and so we stop there. And he says, so-and-so, can you clean the bathroom? Uh, something like that. <laughs> and then he was exposed. <laughs> he did it such a way, he had a hesitation. That, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so he exposed that his learning and all, if you will, um, was um, was one thing, but it didn't correspond with really knowing anything that's mm-hmm. worth knowing hmm, how to serve, right? You understand? All right, we'll stop there. Shri Shri Rajagopal Ki Jai. Always Premanandi.